Welcome to the Burnout to Blessed podcast. I am your host, Tara Reinbolt, and it is my mission to help you take back control of your life, overcome burnout, and reclaim your happiness. Trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. I went from totally burned out human resources professional looking to find my purpose in life to finally kicking burnout to the curb and finding my God-led mission. If you're ready to start living your best life today, like right now, literally this second, then you've come to the right place. Consider me your own personal business and life coach. Now let's get this party started and dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. I am so excited. We have Ron Reich. Ron, welcome. Thank you, Tara. It's good to be here. Well, before we get started, I want to let you all know a little bit about Ron so we can get to know him a little bit better. And then we're going to dive into today's topic, which I know you all are going to get so much gold out of. So I'm so excited. So a little bit about Ron. Ron is the owner of RLB Training and Development. He is passionate leadership and management development subject matter expert and a coach with 28 years of experience in diversified industries. An expert facilitator, Ron believes in involving participants and clients in their learning, leading to higher engagement and quality results. Also a ferocious reader, he stays current with the latest research and philosophies, which he loves sharing with clients. So excited to dive into today's topic. We are going to be talking about using your time effectively and setting expectations. These are two topics that I have to say everybody wants to hear more about. So I'm so excited to dive in, Ron. Good, good, good. You know, when, where I'll start actually is with a question, you know, Tara, Tara for you and, and for the listeners as well. Yeah. Is, have you had have you had a day at work or even in your personal life when you're you're leaving for the day or at the end of the day you just kind of ask yourself where did today go <laughs> what 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 happened uh yeah before ever leaving the corporate world I'm pretty sure that was my question just about every day and it was really defeating, frustrating, and kind of, I think, made me a little obsessive about creating a to-do list and trying to get everything off of it so that the next day wouldn't have that, where did the day go question. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I I see you smiling. I I see you laughing. And it's funny because when I've asked that question in the past, I've had the answer before. So when have I not had that kind of day? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's more often yeah. than not. That's for sure. I don't feel like I have that as much anymore, but my life's a lot different than it was back then. But that question was asked almost every day, which kind of puts you on that negative self-talk of, oh my gosh, I could have done better. I didn't do I didn't do nearly as good of a job as I wanted to today or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know what, Sarah, uh, Tara, a lot of times what, what happens with people is they get they get caught up in the trap 
of being really, really busy. And then you and and then my question always is though, doing what? What are you doing that's keeping you so busy? And are they the highest priority things that you really, really want to be doing? You know, and I mean, and, and again, I, I want to get to the meat of this too, except, I mean, and again, I'm going to date myself here. I still remember so many years ago hearing an advertisement on the radio and the CEO was being interviewed by somebody. And he said, and, you know, the interviewer asked him, he said, so you're the president CEO of this company. Yes, yes, yes. And you can hear all this noise in the background and things going on. He goes, wow, it seems like there's a lot happening here. And the CEO answers, yes, yes, we're very, very busy. What is everybody doing? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All I know is we're running around like crazy and we're busy. (laughs) Well, and, 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 you know, Tara, that's it. That's exactly it. And, you know, when we get into the keys to using your time most effectively, you and I were chatting a little bit before we started. One of the most important things anyone can do professionally or personally is uh, is schedule what Stephen Covey calls your big rocks. Get them on your calendar as soon as you know about them. Get them on your calendar. And, you know, as, as an example for me, uh, again, you and I were talking earlier. I'm a very big New York Giant football fan. I have been for many years. I'm a season ticket holder. As soon as the schedule comes out, that goes directly on my calendar. And if we have a Monday night game and a client asks me, Ron, are you available to come visit with us this week? And, you know, can we start on Monday or, you know, whatever it might be? And I look and we have a home game and it's already on my calendar. No, I'm sorry. I'm not available then. I can't do that. I'm glad that you brought that up as an example, because I think so oftentimes, you know, when we're talking about setting our time and using time management tools and creating our calendar, we often sometimes think about specific to our career. And ultimately, you're talking about everything. You're talking about what matters most in your life from a personal standpoint, from a career standpoint, just in general. I mean, I can give you an even better example. Uh, Many, many years ago, I worked for Toshiba, headquartered in California, and the whole team was out there for a meeting. And I remember like it was yesterday. We're sitting around the table. We're talking about a topic. And our boss said to us, you know what, everybody, let's table this. You're, You're all coming back again in two weeks for another meeting, which was very unusual that we had another meeting in California two weeks out because usually we didn't go out there that often, regardless. <laughs> and she made the comment, this will be the first thing we talk about when we start on, you know, on that particular Monday. Yeah. None of us had the courage to say anything to her because we, you know, we all just kind of looked at each other, rolled our eyes and was like, there goes another weekend because we had not yet decided when that next meeting would start. I still remember my colleague, Rob, saying, oh, Barbara, excuse me. I will not be here that Monday. And I'm sitting there looking at him. I was like, Rob, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because we were not getting along well with Barbara at the time. He said, I will not be here on that Monday, Barbara. I will not give up another weekend. I'm not doing it. My son has a swim meet that Sunday. I'm going to the swim meet. I'll come to California Monday, and I'll be out here Tuesday 
we can meet Tuesday, but that's when I'll be here. What do you think Barbara said? Okay. Is that what she said? I, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry, did, Tara. Did she say, okay, that's, that's okay? She looked at all of us and said, you know what? There's no reason for you to give up another weekend. Starting Tuesday is fine. And I just thought, <laughs> I was like, Rob, wow. And again, uh, so so much of using your time effectively, though, too, is having the courage to speak up and setting the expectations. Because, and I, and again, I don't deny, I did not have the courage to say that to her. I didn't. He did. And he saved us. Uh, uh, well, he, he changed a big part of the culture within yeah. our group by doing that. That's an awesome example, because ultimately took her just pretty much two seconds to say, oh yeah, you're right. Didn't think of it that way. Was I think so often we make up these stories in our heads about if I say something that we're going to have a negative impact or something to that degree, but you don't really know until you try to have that conversation. And of course it was super easy for her to be like, okay, that makes sense. Let's do that. So I'm glad that you brought that up is the the courage to, yeah. <laughs> to have that well, conversation. And I think, you know, I, I think part of it too, psychological safety starts to tie into this as well with the four levels of, of psychological safety, just, just as a very quick overview. And this is, I, it's, it's only fair that I give the author credit here. I read uh, Tim Clark's book, uh, The Four Stages of Psychological Safety, because this is not my work. The first stage is called including. And very simply what that means, people want to be included at work and even in their personal lives, they want to be a part of. And it's it's as simple as, you know, Tara, we're going for coffee. Do you want to come with us? Tara, we're going to lunch. Come with us. Or And again, just the, you know, the, the, the quote unquote water cooler conversations, people want to be included in that. And when when Rob made that comment, you know, that I referenced a couple minutes ago, that for me is inclusion because now we know it's a personal reason he's not coming out. My son has a swim meet. Oh, that's fair. Okay. Instead of just, I don't want to come out on this weekend. Hmm. No, we know. And then the second level of psychological safety is called learning. We all need to learn. We all need to be able to ask questions and make mistakes. And we need to feel safe doing those things relative to both work and professionally. I mean, I'm going to focus a little bit more professionally here. I need to feel safe, though. I don't understand this. Um, you know, again, tra- training and development. I'm not sure how this module rolls out. How do I set up this activity? Whatever it might be, I need to feel safe doing that because if I don't and I keep it to myself, we all pay the price. I mean, we just all pay the price. And I'm, you know, and again, how effectively am I using my time or is my boss using his or her time if I don't know the material real well and I'm afraid to ask questions? Oh, good. Ron understands. Let's move on here. When I don't, and it's like, no, it's worth the time. Let's take mm-hmm. let's take the time. So I am going to be most effective. That level, makes sense. Yeah. Level three is called contributing. So once I feel included and, and then I'm I, I've learned, then I can really begin to contribute. And that's when my teammates, that's when my boss, 
expect me to indeed contribute and contribute fully. I mean, of course, we're all going to make mistakes and that's okay. Contributing is though, I'm ready. I'm going to, I'm going to do my thing. Watch me go. And, you know, please help support me. Yeah. Now I have a question because, you know, as we're walking through the psychological safety, you know, step one is the including, right. And feeling, feeling comfortable around the people that you're interacting with, you know, professionally. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are new to a company, would that be kind of the prime time to have that meeting with your boss, for example, and to say, hey, what are your expectations? Kind of have those type of conversations. Oh, I just absolutely cannot emphasize that, Tara, strongly enough. Absolutely, positively, unequivocally, that's when that needs to happen. And one of the best things that can happen here, and in fact, you you remind me of this. I haven't thought of this in a long time. Anytime somebody new joins the team, Mm -hmm. and this can be someone externally, outside of the organization, or even internally from a different department, from a different group, whatever it might be, research is very clear on this. The best thing you can do is to relaunch your team. The key here is... Because, you know, I heard you say a second ago, should you sit down with your boss? Absolutely, you should sit down with your new boss. And the entire team needs to be a part of it as well. And what you talk about is, number one, the inclusion piece. Right. Hey, Ron, talk, to, talk to us about yourself. Tell us about yourself. And again, some, sometimes I'll, I'll you know, work this in as well. People have said to me in the past, When someone new comes on board, I don't know what to talk to them about. If I don't have anything to say or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm I'm an avid, avid reader. And I pulled this acronym out of a book that I read not too long ago. It's called the Ford acronym. You can always talk to people about F, their family. You can always talk to people about O, their occupation. You can always talk to people about R, their recreation. What do you love to do? Well, you know, outside of work. And you can always talk to people about the D, their dreams. Oh, wow. I love it. So good. Yeah. I I like that too. I wish I could remember the book out of which I took it. I love it. And, you know, I think as a leader, it's important for all of the leaders that have teams, or if you're a coach and you're leading a coaching program or working with clients, ultimately you can set the stage with creating the environment for them to feel comfortable by, you know, like, Hey, we all make mistakes, you know, let's have that open and honest communication. So if something's not resonating, you let me know and we'll get back on track or, you know, with your team, letting them know that they're able to speak up and speak freely. You know, we kind of talked about that busy culture. So often, I think this onboarding piece when you're working at a corporation is missing at times just because, oh, I got to go, go. I have a lot of other things going on. So, you know, oh. I'm, I'm not going to take the time to have this break the ice meeting, take my team to lunch. I'm not going to have these set the expectations meeting, which that can be the big difference between them 
hitting the ground running and contributing and getting to that contribution phase or staying in that timid, I don't really know, I'm trying to gain my footing. And that point, you know, your results suffer. They're not, they're not where you would like them to be, right? Perfect example. I I worked for Toshiba and actually we'll probably circle back to Toshiba later because frankly, I did not use my time well at Toshiba because I burned myself out. I just did. I traveled just about every single week. Anyway, decided that, you know what, I can't do this any longer. I mean, truly, my my nickname at Toshiba was No Life. Oh, my gosh. Here's No Life Run. Oh, my gosh. It was funny at first, and then it wasn't Yeah, and then it wasn't. Yeah, oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's not funny anymore. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think I was known by No Life Tara by my friends and family also, so I guess (laughs) I can relate to you on that. (laughs) I joined a competitor, and I'll, I'll, I'll clearly I will leave the name out, on my first day. And the only reason I left Toshiba was because of the travel, because I, I, I loved the people. The work was a lot of fun. And just the way the job was structured, yeah. I, it was just a lot of traveling. Sounds like it was a recipe for burning out if you were yeah. traveling that much. I joined this new organization, and on my first day, I'll never I walk in and my boss says to me, oh, hi, I forgot you were coming. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so lovely. So yeah, the including there. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wow. Don't, don't I feel special? <laughs> you know, and again, such, such a big part of using time effectively for any leader is taking the time to prepare and be ready. And which includes, of course, the onboarding. <laughs> because on my second day with this, at this new company, I, and again, this was many years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting at my desk. I was twirling a pencil around because I had nothing to do. And I was like, I think I made a mistake. And this was on day two. Yeah. <laughs> day two. <laughs> yeah, because it sounds like they just were like, welcome. Um, there's no onboarding here. So right. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> go, go to your desk and do stuff. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so often times in a busy corporate culture, you're going to see that or they're going to pass the buck to, you know, maybe the HR department. This oftentimes landed in my lap when I was in HR. And there's only so much that you can do from an HR perspective. You can easily onboard the employee from an organizational standpoint, but I don't know how to do accounting. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like if that, if I was bringing on an accountant, like what am I supposed to teach you? Like I could. (laughs) That's, that, that's, that's not HR's job. And I think that's one of the reasons HR sometimes will get a bad rap. And it is, that's, that's the organization's job. I mean, HR can help. Here, here are some things you need to cover. Here are some timelines perhaps you want to lay out for your employee, whatever it might be. It's on the leader. It's on the department to take care of the onboarding. No two ways about that. No two ways. And, you know, oftentimes I would hear so often, oh, well, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. When am I going to fit this in my schedule? And my response was always, 
the faster you do this, the faster you're going to be able to get back to your job. Because ultimately, if you don't do this, if you don't take the time to train your people, then they're going to be needing your help. They're going to be needing and taking up, you know, the other team members time. And therefore, everyone is going to lose here and you're all going to be wasting time. So get it done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, it, 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 it truly is. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I have heard from managers and leaders over the years. I'd rather do it, whatever it is myself. Oh yeah. I do it better. I'm the best at it. And I don't have the time to train effectively. And I had a very frank exchange of ideas, you know, obviously a synonym for, as for an argument <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a district manager out in uh, Phoenix one time. He worked for a, a big pharmaceutical company and he, he and I, he and I were talking about time management and he was like, I do the majority of the admin work for my reps. I don't mind doing it. I do it. And I was like, how many hours a week do you work? And he was like, between 50 and 60. And I was like, okay. And when do you do this? He said, I usually take all day Saturday to get the admin work done for my team. And again, I don't need to get into all the details here. My point simply was, I asked him, I was like, okay, I mean, you do what you want to do. It's your choice. Just think about this, please. It's one year, seven months, and 283 days from right now. What are you going to be doing? The exact same thing you're doing now because nobody's learning the admin work and you're taking it all on yourself. And again, I don't like to speak for other people. Gotta believe though, how does your wife feel about this? How do your kids feel about this? You know, whatever it might be. And even if you're single, what kind of life do you have? Because I had no life. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, what is it costing you? And I want to kind of dive into, we were talking about, um, you know, setting your priorities and you were talking about how once the Giants tickets come out, it goes right on your calendar. And I want to kind of dive into that because sometimes I know when we're in that busy culture, it can be difficult to say, okay, well, this makes sense as far as prioritizing. This makes sense. This doesn't. But sometimes I see. I see people getting it wrong and what they're prioritizing. Do you have any tips for, you know, how to kind of determine what makes the most sense for prioritizing? Because not only that, I want to touch on one more thing. Sometimes we're naturally really good at things and it's easier for us to get things done than it is for other things, you know, to do other things. And sometimes those are our like big rocks. Those are our big priorities. And we're like, meh. I'm not as effective and efficient at that. So I'll do that last. Can we kind of talk about that dynamic? Because I think that plagues so many people, like no matter what, yes. or, you know, you, no matter where you're at on the food chain. <laughs> no. Oh, there, there, there's no doubt about that. Num- number one, Tara, a lot of when, when people ask me, how do I know something is a real high priority item? Mm-hmm. I always, I always recommend Ask yourself the question, if I do absolutely nothing with this item right now, are there immediate negative consequences? Okay, good. And if the answer to that is yes, that's a high priority item. We better get this done. And I mean, as as silly as it sounds, 
Uh, first of all, I believe with every fiber I have, everything I do is a choice. Everything. Did I have to come on this podcast with you right now? No. No. No, I didn't have to show up. Oops, yeah. sorry. Something else came up, you know, you know, Tara, rather be doing this or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But the point is, though, there are going to be big time consequences if I make that decision. And therefore, of course, I chose to be here. And when it comes to the planning piece, mm-hmm. I started planning and looking at some of the things I might want to talk with you about on Friday. You know, we're not meeting until Monday. Except what happens if, if I just say to myself, oh, well, you know, Tara and I aren't talking until two o'clock Monday afternoon. I'll just look at it Monday morning. What if something comes up Monday morning and I can't look at it? I'm caught behind the eight ball. And, you know, my, my wife truly, yesterday, we were down in South Jersey yesterday. Uh, and, you know, when, when we were uh, getting in the car to come home, our inspection sticker is expired. And I was like, oh, Okay. We probably need to take care of that. <laughs> and so, and again, my, my point is so, Tara, I did that this morning and it was totally okay because I had already prepared for our visit. So it wasn't a crisis. It was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to prepare or am I going to go get the car inspected? No, I've already prepared so I can take care of this thing that there are negative, you know, immediate negative consequences if I do nothing with this because we could get in some trouble. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So essentially, I love how you, you know, you talked about everything we do is a choice because I feel like so oftentimes what I hear from my corporate clients is they feel like they don't have a choice in what they do. And the reality is they do, but they feel this overwhelming sense of if I don't do this, there will be negative consequences, but it kind of goes back to what we talked about with the psychological safety. They're just too afraid to have those setting expectations. They're too afraid to have those, hey, I have this going on and I'm going to have to take the day off or whatever it may be, or I have too much on my plate. So therefore I can't take on anymore. They're just afraid to have those conversations. But ultimately it goes back to, we do have a choice. And I'm so glad that you brought that psychological safety in because that kind of sets the stage for us to be able to feel comfortable enough to have those conversations in the first place. And if you don't know what a priority is, you can always, if you have that rapport with your boss, go ask your boss. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know and I mean? With, with, with the choice thing too, and interestingly for me, uh, I'll give you an example I was in Philadelphia a number of years ago. Uh, I was doing some sort of session and I, I got to talking with one of the hotel workers and you know, we were just chatting a little bit. And she said something to me about, I have to go pick up my son later. I have to go make dinner. And then I have to take him to his soccer game or, you know, whatever it was, she was a single parent. Yeah. And I just said to her, I was like, could I ask you to change something? Instead of saying, I have to, would you please just change it to I choose to or I'm going to? Just if you would do that. So she did. And she was like, I'm going to pick up my son later. I'm going to make him dinner. I choose to take him to his soccer game. 
my whole point is she said to me, oh my goodness, I'm feeling so much less stress because I own these things. These are my decisions to make. Wow, that's good. Just that simple switch. Yeah. Well, and and again, I mean, I I don't I don't want to make this, you know, just about stories, though, except, you know, again, we talk about priorities and we talk about, you know, what's most important in someone's life. I did many years ago when I worked for a pharmaceutical company, I did a time management course. And as part of the course, uh, we uh, this, the uh, participants wrote a uh, personal mission statement. At the end of the course, this woman came up to me and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, you've changed my life today. And I was like, wow, okay, how so? And she said, I'm going to resign. And I was like, okay, what happened? And she was just openly crying. She was like, the mission statement made me realize I'm not being a good wife. I'm not being a good mother. I'm not there for the rest of my family. And that's what's most important to me. This job is sucking me dry. I'm leaving. And I was like, that's wonderful. How wonderful that you discovered this. And again, because when it's all said and done, I don't want data myself. Gee, I wish I had worked more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always tell my my mother, she uh I grew up with my mom being in HR and she was basically burned out for I want to say like my entire life. <laughs> so it, it's it's ironic that you know I went into HR and then did the same thing. I guess I learned a few things unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah. I always tell her when she gets in this overworking place and stressed and everything is just too much. I can tell when it happens. She's my, do you really think that on your tombstone, it's going to read, I wish I would have worked more, you know, it's going to read on your tombstone, HR professional, or, you know, is it going to have anything to do with your career? No, it's going to be a good wife, mother, you know, grandmother, whatever. And I can hear all the time talking about how she wishes she was there more for like my kids and, you know, me sometimes. And she's gotten so much better over the years, but I always have to remind her that of remember you only have time is something we don't get back. That's right. And, you know, and again, Tara, you know, we we were talking earlier about, I mentioned that I burned out at Toshiba and it was, I, I know it was absolutely true for me. And it's been my experience with other people, although I'm still going to just speak for myself. One of the reasons I burned out was my ego, because I was like, oh, look how busy I am. Look how demand, you know, look at the demand people have for my services. And wow, I remember talking to a colleague. This again, many years ago, Brenda was our fax manager. I was working in the copy room fax industry with Toshiba. Mm -hmm. And it was early May. I still remember early May. And I was holding my calendar up to her. I was like, Brenda, look at this. I am booked every single week into the middle of August. And I was so proud of myself. And Brenda just looked at me. Summer's over. And I was (laughs) like, what are you talking about? Summer's over, big boy. And I, I won't use the language she used because she was really, really, <laughs> really direct. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and she just said to me, when are you going to go on vacation? I was like, I'll go. When? Show me. Show me, Ron. You're so proud of yourself and you have booked yourself into oblivion. 
Yeah. And she was right. She was absolutely right. I traveled 13 straight weeks at one point. I got, I, I was in Manhattan. I was doing a three and a half day long class. Everything was fine until Thursday night. And I got sick Thursday night. I finished the course Friday morning. And, you know, I told the group, guys, I'm not feeling well. I may need to leave the room quickly, you know, here, because I just don't feel well. More importantly, though, and again, planning, planning, planning. My sister was having very serious neck surgery that day. And my plan was finish the class at noon, which was, you know, our normal finish time. And I would drive down to South Jersey where she was to see her and my mom and dad who were with her. And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I was so burned out. Plus, I was sick. And whose fault was it? It's on me. Yeah, you know, I remember having days when I was my most burned out. And I remember calling off. And it was almost like because I was feeling sick. And I was experiencing like actual sickness and I, but I knew it was from overworking. I knew my immune system was down from overworking or there were just days when I mentally couldn't, could not handle it. I knew if I were to go in that it would be an absolute disaster. And then I remember spending those days kind of like in mental freak out mode, like, oh my gosh, I should have been there. I had a lot going on today. You know, I let everyone down and it was just this crazy mental hamster wheel that physically and mentally just totally made things totally worse. And I remember leaving that job because I knew I was so burned out that I felt the cognitive decline that was taking place and it was bothering me. It felt like I wasn't my best at what I did. And I was like, that was just unacceptable to me. So I'm like, I have to get out of this situation. And I remember they threw a party for me, I think like a few days before I left. But the day that I left, I worked until like nine o'clock at night and that whole night no one stopped in to say goodbye, Tara. See you later. And I remember just crying that night because I was like, as I was walking out, like, I know nobody cares what I did here all of the time that I put in here. No one cares. Everyone. And I I couldn't even get mad at like people. It was just like, this is what everyone is experiencing here. And I, it's not okay. Yeah. you know, and it, it was just crazy to me. And then I, that's when I had my epiphany of at the end of the day, if I drop dead, to be honest, no one, it's not that nobody would care, but life would go on. They would get somebody else. Like, so why, why am I working myself to death? For what reason? I'm neglecting my family over here. And the only people that are suffering is me, myself, and I, and the people I love and care most about. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, and, you know, there's, there's a quote that I really, really like, and, you know, I didn't realize how significant it was at the time, and I like it, and it, I, I believe it comes from Dr. Daniel Goldman, who's a thought leader on emotional intelligence. Regardless, the, the quote is, If there is no white space in your calendar, then there's no white space in your brain. Yeah. When are you going to take time to think? When are you going to take time to rejuvenate? 
you know, and I mean, and, and just it makes so much sense. It's like, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. There's no white space in my calendar. And, you know, there's no space in my life for anything else because I'm so tired when I get home. I can't do anything. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember at that point in time, one thing, too, that frustrated me and it didn't really it didn't really hit me that it was a symptom of burnout, but I had no creative mode. There was absolutely no creativity. And that's something that I kind of pride myself on. I feel like I'm very much able to come up with different ideas and things of that nature. But during that time, like you said, that white space, you know, if anything, it was like overlapping space (laughs) was my schedule. And therefore, There, I had to do the creativity part of my job, but like, I felt like I had to pull from everything else, nothing from within. And it took me a million times longer than it would have taken me if I would have had that built that white space into my calendar. So when you're talking about, you know, creating your schedule with your, your big rocks, Talk to me about what do you recommend with the white space? Very simply. And Daniel Goleman, and again, I like his work. He recommends just very, very simply schedule time to just think. Schedule, make an appointment. You know what I'm going to do Wednesday from two to three or three to four, you know, whatever it might be. What? I'm going to think. Yeah. How do you know that? It's on my calendar. It's on my calendar. And for me, and again, I speak for myself here because everyone is different. I I try to do that every single day. And one of the times when I do it is when I'm walking the dog. Mm -hmm. Jasmine and I walk for an hour a day in the morning, usually from about 6.30 to 7.30, right around there. Again, whatever. And the point for me is it's quiet. It's serene. My mind is not cluttered with, I'm not sitting at my desk looking around, what's going on? Oh, I got to remember to do that. And that for me is good quiet time. It's good thinking time. I did it yesterday where, you know, I do have my phone with me just in case, you know, something happens with my wife at home or whatever. I do want to be able for someone to get in touch with me. My point simply is, though, that I come up with ideas then. And, you know, when I'm walking the dog and when I do, all I need to do is just capture it on my phone. Done. Let's keep walking, Jazz. Yeah. And that that works for me. Instead of just, you know, the fury of, you know, I got to get to work. And now I have this meeting and now I need to do this. And now I have have another meeting. No, I can fit you in. Of course I can. That's fine. Yeah. Not that important. Right. I know. I have to, I have to remind myself that that's, that was the big wake up call that I had at that moment of you're just not that important. (laughs) Well, and again, you know, we were, we were talking, we were talking earlier about having the courage to have conversations with people. Yeah. And for me, that goes both ways. What I mean by that, Tara, is people need, people need to have the courage to talk to their boss about, I'm concerned about you. You know, and this is what I'm seeing. And again, an an example, when I was with Toshiba, again, all those years ago, Tony Codiani, who's gone now, uh, had told us, he goes, I want you all to come out to Dallas. 
He said, we're doing the three-day interviewing class. He said, no one does it better than me, and I want you to watch me do it so you can all do it as well as I can. All right, fine. We go out there day one. Tony was heavy to begin with. And again, I mentioned my friend Rob. I was sitting next to Rob. How does he look to you? He looks a little heavier. I agree. He doesn't look that good. Should we say something to him? Nah, he won't listen to us. I agree. Let's just leave it alone. Day two of the course, he looked even pastier. He just, he just did not look well at all. And Rob, we got to say something to him. I'm not okay with this. Tony, we need to talk to you. This is coming from a place truly of love. This is coming from a place of we care about you. Yeah. When you get back to California, promise us you'll go to the doctor. No, I'm too busy. I got too many things going on at work. I'm not going to. Tony, we're not going to let this go. We're going to be all over you until you go. Fine, I'll go to the doctor when I get back. Long story short, Tony went to the doctor the next week. One week beyond that, he was on the operating table and had a quintuple bypass. Oh, my God. And and told Rob and I, you probably saved my life. Oh, I'm sure you did. Because people like that, I I was a part of that. that, uh, As well, you know, and my mom, she had uh, melanoma Mm -hmm. and got it removed. And to this day, it's, oh, well, I'm too busy. I don't have time to go to the doctor. And I'm like, really? Again, it goes back to if you were to come down with something and it's all because, oh, I'm too busy. And then you get diagnosed with something that you really can't come back from or it's difficult to come back from. You're going to be so mad at yourself because you yeah. decided to put your career over your own health and it could have been avoided. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Stephen Covey's uh, wheel of life where you put yourself in the center and just carve out the the areas of your life that are most important and do it proportionally. In other words, if work is really, really important to you, give that 60% of the pie, if you will, or of the wheel. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is simply, if something is dominating that wheel, you need to ask yourself, if that goes away, who am I? Oh, yeah, that's good. Because I, I remember when it came to me leaving my corporate job, it was like, I felt like, I don't I don't know who I am anymore. This is all that I am. And that yeah. was hard to take a look at the mirror and be like, wow, like I've lost myself and my whole identity was my career. Like that did not feel good. And that's right. it's yeah. good that we can utilize tools like that so that people hopefully don't get to that point where they feel like, where do I go from here? You know, yeah. catch it before. <laughs> that's the goal at least, right? Yes. yes. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, I, I had a situation one time, again, many, many years ago, I was single, traveling like a demon with Toshiba. I was dating somebody. It was a gorgeous Sunday outside. I called her and I was like, listen, I'll come down and see you. I'll be, I'll be there around two o'clock or whatever it is. And I'm driving to see her. And, you know, I'm, I'm not paying any attention. And you know how you kind of zone out when you're driving here and there. So mm-hmm. I'm driving along. And I, and again, quote, unquote came to and I was like I'm not headed toward her apartment and I don't know where I'm going so I just I just kept driving to see what was happening I was on my way to Newark airport 
And I was like, oh my, this is not good. <laughs> this is just not good. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, wow. and, and again, it's just because it had taken over. And yeah. I was I was allowing my calendar, I was allowing my job to control me rather than I controlling it. Now, let's talk a little bit about like what advice do you have for people who tend to be people pleasers and have this fear of saying no? Very often what it boils down to here, Tara, is number one, having the courage just to nicely say no. And one thing that has helped me in the past is can I have five seconds of courage? And again, I read that in a book and simply what the author meant, if I can have five seconds to start my thought, in other words, Tara, if you're my boss, Ron, I need you to, I need you to go to uh, you know, Kentucky next week, you know, whatever it might be. And I've been traveling too much or I have something else, you know, a big rock schedule. Right. Five, five seconds. As soon as I commit myself, Terry, you know what? As soon as I start, I'm committed. Then I'm committed. Can I have five seconds to just be brave enough to begin my thought? Mm-hmm. And if I do that, then I'm committed. And I like that. That's helped me. And, I I, and, and, and oftentimes, my experience has been too, personally for me, and also just with clients, very often, the story that I'm telling myself, oh, my God, I'm going to get in trouble here, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to get the prime assignments, you know, whatever it might be, they realize that, no, it's okay, don't worry about it, it's fine, and it's like, oh, that wasn't so hard, <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting that you you stated that because like you just talked about in the story with your friend, he saved you guys from years potentially of Monday meetings, of giving uh-huh. up your weekends uh-huh. by just having that five seconds of courage to say, hey, this really isn't working in a truthful, not coming from a I'm so mad place, you know, but from a truthful place of this isn't working, you can ultimately save yourself years worth of doing things that don't maybe make sense. Essentially, having that courage to say something can ultimately make a huge difference in your schedule and what you're doing, what you're focusing on in your work and so much. I mean, really, the list goes on. It does. The other thing that you're making me think about here, too, is with the five seconds of courage and bringing that up, if the answer you get is unacceptable from your boss or, you know, from a girlfriend or even from a spouse or whatever it might be, then you start to realize, you know what, do I belong here? Is this this healthy for me? And do I choose? Because, again, it's my choice. Do I choose to stay in this kind of environment? Because if all I'm doing is getting beaten down, no, you will do this and you will do this. And uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This isn't working for me. <laughs> right, exactly. Because at the end of the day, what is it costing you? Right. You know, and, it, and essentially, if you burn yourself out, it can cost you a lot. You know, some people like myself just up and quit. <laughs> And, and, you know, without a backup plan, without much thought, you know, they're just, you know, mental breakdown, stressed out, 
so much. I mean, that actually happened to my mom. My mom was so burned out that she left her job, a six-figure job. And then it just so happened that the company she was supposed to go through to, it, it was during the recession when it hit. Mm-hmm. So they lost a huge portion of their employees and therefore her offer was off the table and she was unemployed for a few years. Mm-hmm. So I know that's a very extreme example, but you know, when you're, like you said, if you're not planning, right. If you don't plan for the future, if you don't own up to the fact that, Hey, this is my choice. I have the opportunity to evaluate things and, and plan accordingly for myself or, you know, setting these expectations, rash things can happen if you don't take the time to do that on the front end. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I came home, I came home many years ago from a giant game. We had lost, so I was not in a good mood. And my wife, when I got home, Lori was not in a good mood either, which is very unlike her. You know, she's very, she's upbeat and always happy. And I just chalked it up to, I was like, okay, you know, she's entitled. She's just not, not having a great day, whatever. The yeah. next morning, I was leaving for Houston to go visit a client. And she told me, again, it's a long story and I'll make it short. She said, this isn't working for me. You're always going to these games. You're never checking in with me. You're always running to the airport. You're always doing, doing, doing. And you and I are in a lot of trouble. And I was like, okay, whoa. Again, long story short, what we ended up doing was, and and, and this this was probably 14, 15 years ago. We're still doing it to this day. Lori, anytime a client asks me to go out of town, before I accept the assignment, Let's look at the master calendar together and we will mutually decide if this is acceptable or not. And it works. And I mean, for us, for us, it's working because it's a mutual decision. And then the expectation is set. Whereas, you know, if I say to her, Lori, remember, I'm going to Chicago next week. Say, oh, Ron is like, Lori, you signed off on it. And I'm not trying to be a smart aleck with that. I'm truly yeah. I'm not. It's like, you approved it though, Laura. So I mean, you know, if, if we need to make some changes moving forward and, and, and you don't want me to travel as much, we'll talk about that. Except for this one, I, I am going. I choose to go because we did it together and we approved it. And it works. Yeah. You know, the big calendar, again, the big rocks are on the calendar. I can see too, like. The fact that you make these decisions together, you put it up, the expectation is there. There are no surprises. And I think so oftentimes when we kind of talk about that busy culture and you don't have any white space, you know, when things pop up and there is no space to really accommodate or your significant other, the people in your life, they're already used to this schedule of yours that's so packed. And then you add another thing in, it can feel like a huge betrayal. It can feel like a huge surprise, you know, because of the way that your schedule already is built up versus building in that white space and having those conversations together so that You don't get into a situation where the cost is your marriage, because I know 
that part of the reason why I left corporate was because I felt like if I were to continue down the path that I was on, I felt like my cost to not taking care of myself, my health, my family was potentially my marriage. And with a newborn, that was just not even an option. (laughs) So, you know, I had, I had to weigh the cost, but I think if we would have set it up on the beginning of what's acceptable, what's not, let's stick to that. Let's have the room in this space so that if something does pop up, that we don't feel so overwhelmed that we make really, you know, maybe not the best decisions. Exactly. Well, and again, how it, it, it goes back when you're so busy and so tired all the time, how can you make quality decisions? Personally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is so often I feel like we get so goal oriented. I have to get, I have to do X, Y, and Z in order to meet this goal or in order to get this promotion, get to this revenue goal, whatever it is that we think of the specific tactical steps that we have to take and we totally forget what it takes to get there, such as like, you need to have some creativity. You need to have, you know, your relationships intact in order for you not to be stressed. You need, you know, all of these other things from like a, you need to restore, you need to build in rest, you need to build in time for your brain to, you know, get at its optimal level. All of those things are really required for you to meet that goal. But we forget all of those things that should be incorporated into, into the goal. And it's all just the tactical pieces I have to do to get, but really you have to do these rest and restore, you know, also in order to get, and if you don't build that in, then it's going to take you much longer to reach the goal. And then when you do, you're not going to enjoy it because you're going to be so burned out, you know, so many, so many things around that. (laughs) Well, and and Tara, what what you're talking about here is classic, classic habit seven from cutting sharpen the saw. Yeah. Sharpen the saw in the four different areas of, of your life, body, mind, spirit, and heart. And the recommendation he makes is you need to carve one hour a day out for yourself, one hour a day. And in order to be able to do that, here it comes again, schedule it. Yeah. You need to schedule it and let people know, hey, I'm going to the gym. You know, I'm, I'm getting up at, at five o'clock tomorrow morning and I'm going to the gym, whatever. You know, I mean, that's I'm right. an early riser. I can do that. Just it's it's whenever it works, though, is that I'm going to the gym after dinner tonight after the baby is, is down. OK, great. You, you know, whatever. Except if these things don't happen, we pay the price. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a cost to everything that we do or do not do. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Good or bad, whatever that is. <laughs> oh, and again, I believe that with every fiber I have. Absolutely. 
Definitely. I think that's so important in order to incorporate. And ultimately, as we're talking about using your time effectively, like you said, you have the ability, you have the choice to create a schedule to fit that in there. So put that in on the front end so that you can ultimately kind of fit in other things that are considered your big rocks, but we can fit that rest and restore, sharpen the saw in, you know, that can be a big rock of ours. Essentially, That's exactly it. And, you know, that Stephen says, I hope, I hope, I hope sharpening the saw is a big rock for you because it should be. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or else again, you know, you're fatigued, you don't have the energy, you know, all of the above. So that's so important. Gosh, we kind of talked about everything today, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I think this conversation came full circle. And I'm really glad too, that we talked about the psychological safety. You know, I think that's, something that is a, might be a little bit new to the audience. And ultimately, you can utilize that to set up communication so that the people that you work with, or even, you know, the people that are in your personal life, have the comfort to have those conversations. And it'll be easier to have those five seconds of courage, essentially. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we go, Ron, do you have any last words, any advice for the audience? Two things. I believe we all lead ourselves. So everybody out there, yourself, myself, and anyone is a leader because we all lead ourselves. Some people are leaders at work as well. And my point is that I was at a football game a number of years ago. We were tailgating. Peter, one of, a, one of the uh, core members of our group, came up to me. He's chief financial officer for a uh, technology company in Manhattan. Ron, throw me the one tip, one, that would make me the best leader possible. I thought about it, and I was like, Peter, if you're going to limit me to one, the tip would be get to know yourself extraordinarily well. Ooh, I like it. Because the better you know yourself the more effectively you'll work with other people and the more effectively you will use your time, you know, because again, realizing that, Oh, I don't want, you know, I don't want to say no to Tara. I don't want to say no to Tara. Can I have five seconds of courage? You know, self-talk, self-talk, knowing myself that I don't want to tell you no, except deep down, that's the right thing to do. Right. And the last thing I love the quote from John Maxwell, the author who simply writes If you try to please everybody, you'll alienate everyone instead. So true. Essentially, (laughs) you're going to, you're not going to please anybody if you're trying to please, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it's, it's couldn't be more true. You know, not only are you not going to please anybody, you're going to alienate them as a result of trying to. I have to say from experience, that is uh, without a doubt true. (laughs) In my experience. (laughs) Right, exactly. I I think we can all agree on that one. That's for sure. Now, I appreciate your time today, Ron. And before we go, why don't you tell us where it is that we can find you so that people can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Probably the, the best way to find me, Tara, is through LinkedIn. Uh, it's and my LinkedIn page is Ron Reich, 
And my company, as you had stated earlier, is RLB Training and Development. If anybody would like to reach out to me directly via email, that's fine too. Uh, it's r.reich2006 at gmail. Okay, great. I will have that in the show notes too. One, one, one thing I'll finish with too. I welcome the opportunity to talk with anybody. Anybody wants to reach out and just, you know, can I run something past you, Ron, or any, you know, advice or whatever? I promise you, you will you, you will get a conversation with me. You're not going to get a sales pitch. You're not going to get, oh, yeah, you know, let me work with you. No, I'll be glad to talk to you. I'll be glad to help anybody any way I can. You know, that's the difference between, for me, when I decide to work with someone or not, if I can have that being comfortable with them and it making sense, like we're just having an honest, authentic conversation, then I know that I can entrust you or them to work with me and just be honest. And I can tell from all our interactions that we've had, not only are you a strategist, but you are brilliant with the mindset as well to get people to kind of shift their perspectives. And from experience going from human resources, where I I really feel like my role in HR was very much tactical. And I didn't really think of it like that when I was in there. But now since I've since transformed, you know, where I was from where I'm at now, I totally think the gold is in the mindset. And that's when you can really apply these strategies. So that's the awesome thing about you is I, you know, from all of our conversations, you have both of those. So you having a conversation with anybody, I highly encourage, you know, everyone listening to take Ron up on that because all of my conversations with you, Ron, so far have been very insightful and I really appreciate your insight 100%. Very helpful. It has been my pleasure. It really, really has. It's fun talking to you, Tara. It's been been fun. It's been interesting. And I've learned too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. That makes makes me very happy. (laughs) That's called a (laughs) win-win. Yes, it is. At its finest. Well, I appreciate everyone for hanging in there with us and we will see you soon. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Burnout to Bless podcast. I hope that you found value in today's episode, and I pray that you will make the commitment to take back control of your life and that God will give you the courage to move forward to live the life that you were meant to live. If this episode at all inspired you, please do me a huge favor and subscribe to the Burnout to Bless podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and leave me a review. By subscribing, you'll be the first to be notified when new episodes air. And by leaving a review, you'll help this podcast get noticed and hopefully change someone's life. If you're ready to take the next step to overcome burnout and live the life of your dreams, email me at coachinginfo at burnout, B-U-R-N-O-U-T, the number two, blessed.com. Again, that's coaching info at burnout, the number two blessed.com to learn more about my customized coaching programs. Now remember, Rome was not built in a day. 
All you need to do is take it one step at a time, my friends, and I promise you, you will get to your destination. Until next time.